23 to 28. And I just want to read this passage. I want to talk about communion this morning and focus on Jesus this morning through communion. And uh, so we'll just read the passage of scripture that is, we often do read uh, during our communion time, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Well, I just want to share with you this morning about uh, celebrating, coming together uh, to remember the Lord's Supper. And communion or partaking of the Lord's Supper is something as Christians that uh, we're to partake in, take time to remember, focus on, and to focus upon what Jesus has done for us. And that's something that's very important in Christianity. And I, I think uh, a lot of us as churches need to get back to that place where we focus on Jesus. And one of the things that communion service does do, it does remind us to have that focus on Christ and what he has done. And, and it really is designed to remind us. And, you know, when, when you start to think about that a little bit more, uh, it really does need to be repeated, uh, that we need to keep doing it, because it does remind us that our focus needs to be upon Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. You know, there. The gospel of Jesus Christ uh, uh, is a gospel that brings us salvation, and it's the only gospel that will bring us salvation And because it's the only one that talks about a supreme sacrifice that was given on our behalf. And that's crucial to our faith, that we need to realize that, that Christ died for our sins. Uh, that's something that's very important for us to recognize. Now, during our vacation time, I had... Uh, Lots of time to relax and enjoy that warm weather. And I even had time to focus on the Lord and uh, listen to podcasts, uh, reading some books, read two books. And one of those books I was reading was uh, called Glory Miracles. Uh, it's by a lady named Miriam Evans. And uh, right now she's uh, an evangelist along with her husband that are going around uh, most of the United States right now. And uh, wherever they go, miracles are happening. And uh, so it was a really neat book to read, very encouraging book to read that talks about miracles that are happening today, uh, healings that are happening today. And so the book is really filled with a lot of powerful testimonies in there. And so it's a real easy read. And uh, you find that it, uh, one of the things they really push in there is that you need to take time to focus on Christ. And they, they were really encouraging churches, pastors, uh, to make sure you take the time to focus on Christ, because that's the key. Uh, focus on Christ where uh, miracles will happen, where healings will happen, where we focus on Jesus. A very, very encouraging book. 
and definitely would recommend that one to you. Uh, the other book I was reading was Another Gospel by Lisa Childers, and uh, that one's a heavy book. It's quite a thick book, too, and uh, the printing's a little bit more, uh, you know, not as pronounced as the other books, so it takes you a little bit longer to read. A lot of theology, apologetics, uh, really makes you think as you read that book, and it's a book that really defends historic Christianity, and extremely well done. Uh, personally, I would say it'd be a great book uh, in any university level uh, to talk about and explain why we believe what we do, what's behind it, what's the historical significance uh, behind our faith, and uh, it really comes against any other uh, gospels that are out there right now that are uh, preaching a, a lower form of the gospel, uh, a gospel that's really not the gospel at all. And so this here is a lady that really takes a lot of time from her own experience of what she went through, and, and she talks about how important it is uh, to know your faith. And uh, excellent, excellent book. It's a little bit of a, you know, a tougher, a little harder to go through because it's just filled with so much thinking and knowledge, and it really is it's like a university uh, course that's on there, and it, it really helps you where we see all this deconstructing of our faith today that is happening. Uh, this is a great book. If you're finding that's happening to you or if it's happening to other people, this would be a great book uh, for you to read. And the interesting part is that as, you, uh, as, I, as I was reading that book, I was thinking uh, you know, of the history and looking at uh, doctrines throughout the ages, uh, false doctrines that you know, were, you know, as soon, soon as the gospel came out, doctrines came out as well. And some of those false doctrines really are the same doctrines that are being promoted today. They just do a, a different twist. And if you know your history, uh, you'll discover them. You'll identify them. And uh, history is a great teacher. Now, I'm not going to go into a big history uh, lesson. I'm not going to go into a big theological lesson uh, here this morning. But I do want to remind you that through communion, we need to keep focusing on Christ. That's the message we really want to get across. That's the message as a church that we want to get out there to our community and to our world. It's a message about Jesus. And, you know, knowledge is good. Knowledge is needed. Uh, that keeps us balanced in our faith. But we should be seeking those fresh encounters with God. And I can tell you from experience as a pastor, I've been pastoring for a number of years now since, what, 19... 83, I've been pastoring, and uh, I can tell you that from experience that, you know, as people seek the Lord, their lives continue to grow. When people stop seeking the Lord, then you start to see people slowly, gradually fall away. But one thing that keeps you, and this is what I've been really stressing uh, of late to people, is that experience and that encounter with Christ in your faith journey. It's one thing that we come to that place that we understand that, yes, Jesus died for our sins. Yes, um, Jesus rose again. Yes, we have faith in Christ. There's salvation in Christ. There's an eternity in heaven. Those are, are, are beautiful things, but sometimes just remembering those things is not enough for people, and they can kind of fall away from the Lord. And so I've been really encouraging people, keep pressing in. Keep pressing into Jesus, because if you keep pressing into him, you will have encounters with Jesus. 
And those encounters, I tell you, will keep you uh, through thick and thin. You know, some of the old hymns that we would sing, we, we sang some of those uh, here on, on Friday morning. Uh, but there's a lot of theology in the old hymns and a lot of experience uh, in the old hymns. And, and one of those hymns that's entitled, He Lives, and, and it, it starts off with a statement, You ask me how I know he lives. You know, there's a lot of people out there, well, how do you know, you know, this gospel is true? And how do you know, like, I, I don't have time to do all this in-depth in study and all this kind of, well, how do you know? He lives within my heart. And uh, I, I know for uh, probably all of us, I'm hoping in this room, that that's what we can all say is that, how, how do you know that the gospel is true? How do you know that Jesus is real? And we can say, well, he lives within my heart. That's why I know that he lives. And that's an encounter with Jesus. When we seek him, you'll have that uh, understanding in your life. You'll, you'll have that um, comfort in your life that you will know that you'll know that the Lord is with you and that he's alive. And another one of those great hymns uh, talks about he, will wa he walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And uh, again, such beautiful words in that hymn. And I, as I look at that, I think, well, yeah, that's how I would describe my relationship with Jesus. Uh, he walks with me, and he does. He talks with me. And, and he reminds me that I am his own. He, he pours out his love on me. And I sense that, and I feel that. And, and that's something I think that's important for us. And it's those kinds of encounters that really keep us when we have attacks against our faith. And, and so... To me, that's a, a, a thing we really need to encourage one another with. Keep seeking Jesus. Keep seeking him. Keep seeking those fresh encounters with him. God always has more. Do not settle for less. Do not settle that, you know, I've arrived, I'm good, I'm going to heaven, that's good enough. No, keep seeking for more of God. Keep seeking that, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me even more. And we're seeing that in our world right now where there's uh, more people are having encounters with Christ than ever before. Dreams and visions and uh, just encounters where people are actually, uh, you know, having a physical manifestation where they're seeing the Lord uh, talking with them and speaking to them and bringing them uh, to salvation. But we need to remember, we serve a risen Lord. He's not a dead God. He's a God that is alive. And, and so he wants to have relationship with us. He does want to walk with us and talk with us and does want to have those moments in our lives where he just says, you are my own. I love you. I care about you. And maybe you're here today and you've been going through some tough battles and facing some, you know, tough issues. And maybe you just need to hear that from the Lord today that he loves you. He cares about you. He's beside you. He's right beside you. And he wants to be with you throughout your whole life. We serve a risen Savior. He lives. And so as we come around that communion table, those are some of the things that you know, we're reminded of, that we serve a risen Savior. He lives. He's alive. He loves us. He cares about that. And uh, so we need to keep working on that relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as one of these books that I was uh, uh, reading there, it was talking about that if we're not careful, whatever... Um, you know, we start focusing on, if we're not focusing on Christ, and we start to spend all of our time on something else, uh, tells us it's going to consume us. Whatever we give up to go look at something else or 
kind of set aside, you know, Christ and God and serving him, and we start looking elsewhere, those other things will start to consume us. And that's not a good thing. The Bible says you can only serve one master. And, and it says, so we need to choose wisely and what we allow ourselves to do and, and what we allow ourselves to focus on. I know for myself over these last years and through COVID and so forth, um, you know, there were so many messages that were coming out there. And I really felt the Lord really saying to me, you need to take time to focus on me. Do not focus on all these other things that are happening. And I'm still doing that because there's still a battlefield that is out there. There's lots of voices, even in, you know, Christian circles that aren't always necessarily good voices. And I'm just feeling the Lord continue to say to me, keep your focus on me. You need to hear what I am saying. Um, it was also refreshing when we were uh, down in um, Florida that we got to go to this church in Orlando, and it was kind of a, an interesting way that that kind of happened. We were looking for a church, and there's a lot of Spanish down there now. And so a lot of the churches there were Spanish. And I said, well, I don't know Spanish, so I don't want to really go to a Spanish church, although they'll be probably way more livelier than the other ones are. But um, So we were looking, and, and my wife had uh, heard of this one church, and we looked it up and found it, and uh, so we went to this church. And it was kind of interesting because just as we sat down in the balcony, um, we got a text from Christopher and said, I know this is kind of late to tell you, but you know, I, I was talking with another person, and they said, if you're down in that area, the church you should go to is uh, this church. And uh, we were able to text back, we're here. We made it here. And uh, that was kind of a cool. But one of the things that really impressed me about that service, and it was a long service, it was a three-and-a-half-hour service. Actually, it might have been longer than that because they were still praying at the end of that. Uh, didn't really notice that time, but one of the things I, I, I was really watching and observing was that the, the pastor was really concentrating on hearing what Jesus wanted to do in the service. Not necessarily, you know, what worship team wanted to do or anyone else wanted to do or even himself. Uh, they really, you could really tell he was concentrating on that. And that really blessed me because I really feel that is a message for the church of today is that get your focus back on Jesus. Get that focus back on Jesus. You know, Hebrews 12, 2 to 3 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You want to make your faith stronger? He's the one that's going to make it stronger. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility endured from sinful people that you won't become weary and give up. And it's so very, very true. If you can keep your eyes on Jesus, keep that focus on Jesus, it's going to get you through all those trying times. It's going to get through, help you through those battles and times of discouragement and, and, and times where you know the world just seems to be coming against you in every direction. Keep the focus on Jesus. Now, when you look at the communion service, the communion service is really, it's a short version of the gospel. And uh, every time we do communion, we're actually reminding ourselves of the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's important to believe is found right in that communion service. The Apostle Paul says, 
this practice of communion comes from the Lord himself. So he's not saying this is my idea. No, this is something the Lord instituted, and this is something that we need to do. And it's kind of interesting that as the, uh, we have that communion service, and that communion service is a basically a visual illustration that would be certainly familiar to the Jewish people and the early Christians uh, about the gospel and of, of what salvation really is. And so we're just going to look at that here this morning before we partake of communion together. And just to remind ourselves again, you know, of that remembrance, it's important, but also remembrance that keep the focus on Jesus. Now, the first thing the Apostle Paul reminds us of is to remember the body of Christ. That is illustrated through the taking of the bread in our communion service. 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 24, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now that bread was part of the Passover meal, a yearly practice where Jewish people would you know, set aside some days to uh, consecrate themselves, consecrate their hearts, uh, participate in sacrificing of a lamb to atone for their sins. And of course, they would remember their deliverance from Egypt as well. And so Jesus applies that illustration, that practice that they were doing, and he applies that into our communion service, where he is the bread from heaven that has come into our world to be our Savior. Uh, that bread then represents his body. That it would be a literal sacrifice that would be offered unto God, and that that offering would end this whole practice uh, of offering bulls and goats and lambs, and uh, he would be at the fulfillment of the actual Passover meal that the Jews celebrated. And so Jesus becomes, through offering his body on the cross, our sacrificial lamb, and 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 doing so, he takes away our sins once and for all. He's the perfect sacrifice, he's without sin, and he offers himself in our place to pay for our sin. We're the ones that should be on that cross. But Jesus went there for you and I. Jesus made a way that would satisfy the holiness of God by being that perfect sacrifice for our sin. And as we all know, you know, the Bible doesn't have to tell us this, even though it does. We have all sinned. Uh, there's no one here that has not sinned. There's no one here that hasn't made mistakes or done things that were wrong. Every one of us here, we've done things that are wrong. We've done things where we have sinned uh, against God. And so obviously, we weren't the ones that were going to make you know, restitution with God or be able to. So there had to be someone that would come in our place. And Jesus was that perfect sacrifice, that one without sin, the very Lamb of God that came into our world to take away our sins. And as he did so, he started something, he started a new covenant. A new covenant of Passover. He fulfilled Passover. So fulfilling Passover, he then brings in a new agreement for us to be under. And, and that new agreement was that our sins are already forgiven through Jesus Christ because he was our sacrifice. And again, that's something that we need to remember because without that sacrifice, we would be still in our sins. But he loved us enough that he would die for you and me. And if there was only one of us 
that would make it into heaven, he would still do that because he loves us. John 3.16 reminds us of that. God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so as we partake of that bread, we're reminding ourselves that of what Christ did for us, that he offered his body on the cross for you and I. He offered himself as a sacrifice for sin, and it was a perfect sacrifice. No other sacrifice was then needed. And Romans 3, 25 explains it this way. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so when we get that, whole, again, this message of focusing on Jesus in the communion service actually is reminding us that we have salvation through Jesus Christ because we do believe in what we're partaking of. We do believe that Jesus made things right with God by offering his life and by shedding his blood. And that basically is the gospel. And it's a gospel that we need to continue to share with other people. And sometimes we can just simply use that little illustration to share the gospel. And as we think of that, you know, of what Jesus has done for us, then it also reminds us why Jesus is the only way uh, to the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so as we're partaking of that bread here this morning, we need to remember that that uh, bread represents the body of Christ, that he gave his life for us, that our sins might be forgiven. He was the sacrifice that was needed before a holy God that we might be forgiven. So that's something that's good that we can remind ourselves of this morning. And then a second part of the communion service involves the remembrance of Christ's blood that was shed for us, 1 Corinthians 11, 25. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And that's a, a, another important step in establishing a, a new covenant. And the whole system of a sacrifice in those days uh, required a sacrifice, and it also required uh, the shedding of blood. That completed the sacrifice. That was, would make an, a binding agreement. And, you know, uh, I don't know if they're still doing that or not. In a lot of legal documents, you'll often have that red paste and they seal it. Well, that kind of goes back to those early days uh, of what was a true covenant, that there had to be a sacrifice and there had to be blood to be shed and, and sealed. And that's what Christ does for us. Now, the shedding of blood was very important, to, again, to seal that covenant, uh, to make it a binding agreement. And again, that's what Jesus did for us. And if you have the time in the afternoon, if you want to read all the kind of the fine details of all of that and what is involved, read Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, really good chapters that talk about the significance of all those things. We're going to read out of Hebrews 9, 22, 23. Uh, it does a pretty good explanation. It says, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven. Remember that. The tabernacle was a copy 
of what was in heaven. And it had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven, that heavenly tabernacle, had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. And, of course, we have the sacrifice of Christ, the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world by shedding his blood. So Jesus entered heaven with that perfect sacrifice, offered his body, his blood, and our behalf fulfilled the requirements of God, of a holy God, fulfilled the sacrifices in heaven that needed to take place, and that was all because of the sacrifice and offering of his blood. And again, salvation, it's only through Christ. Only Christ took care of that matter. No other religion, uh, no other God took care of the sin issue that was in our world, but Jesus did. Again, uh, looking to uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and chapters 10, just want to read a few verses that are uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And it, again, kind of gives us a good explanation right from the Word of God itself. And it says uh, in Hebrews 10, verse 4, it says, For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. And then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in scriptures. First Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. And then he said, look, I have come to do your will. And Jesus cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Again, we go back to that aspect of a sacrifice uh, to make a new covenant. Jesus Christ uh, fulfilled the Passover, uh, the, all, the whole part of that. He became our Passover lamb that was offered in our place. Uh, he became the one to offer his body, the perfect sacrifice without sin unto God, and he shed his blood for us, thus, again, fulfilling the requirements of law, fulfilling the requirements even of uh, literal sacrifices of that time of binding agreements where sacrifice and shedding of blood was done. So Jesus fulfilled all those things, and a new agreement was made. And that's why in the communion service it talks about uh, that he shed his blood and that a new covenant was made, that that cup represents a new covenant that is now made that we can have salvation through Jesus Christ. And so those are just some of the foundational uh, truths of our faith that we need to remember as we come around the table. And again, that focus is to be upon Jesus. So he's reminding us that communion service itself is to remind us to get the focus back on Jesus. And then the third part of that communion service is to remember the resurrection of Christ and the fact that one day he will return. And, you know, lots of uh, people are looking forward to that. We look at the signs of the times, the things that are happening around us, and it certainly does uh, show us that it really could happen at any time where Jesus could come back. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And so uh, Jesus Christ is not only our, our sacrifice, but he's our Savior, he is our God. And he's proved that he is our God uh, by rising 
from the grave. So that's, again, something that's very important for us to realize as a Savior. Uh, he just didn't say he was a Savior. He actually went through the whole process uh, of doing that through dying on a cross, shedding his blood for you and I, rising from the dead to show that he has now conquered death and that those that would believe in him, obviously if we believe in him, that he's showing us that he has the power over life and death and that we can spend an eternity in heaven. So he's a real thing. He's a real thing. And so that's what he's reminding us of. And, and he is going to come again. Acts 1.11, uh, the angels make this decree. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven as Jesus was taken up into the heavens? Uh, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he's going to return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And so there's coming a day when we're going to look up into the sky and the skies open up and Jesus will return just as he uh, ascended into the heavens. So those are some of the things that are important uh, in regards to our faith. That Jesus died for our sins. Uh, he was the perfect sacrifice. He shed his blood for our for us that our sins could be forgiven. He rose again, proving who he, who, he, uh, who he said he was. And so those things are important for us. And as you think of that, again, that's the salvation story. That's the basics that you need to know as a Christian. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And so in reality, the communion service, it's the gospel, kind of in a nutshell. It reminds us that that's who we're to look to. We look to him for our salvation. He is able to forgive all sin, all sin, no matter how bad we've been or how terrible we are or, you know, if we're doing something that's not right even right now, that as we look to the Lord, he can forgive us. He's quick to forgive. He just wants us to turn to him, look to him, believe in him, confess him, repent of our sins. That's what he's wanting us to do. And so this morning as we look at this communion service, it really is a reminder of what makes our faith real. And what makes our faith real is Jesus. Jesus. We need to remember Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus, believing and, and trusting in his sacrificial work on the cross that he died, that he shed his blood for you and I to make peace with God. And that he's a risen Savior, God who rose from that. He's alive. He's a real God. So communion is really it's about the gospel in a nutshell, in a short version that is there to remind us as Christians that we really do have true faith in Christ, and that is important. And so as we get prepare ourselves to have communion this morning, our musicians, and they're going to come back to the instruments, let us take that time as they would lead us and as emblems get passed out, just to focus on Jesus. So if you're here today, and maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe, maybe you've never made a profession of faith in your life. Well, you, you can do that real simple. You can just say that even now, just where you're seated and just say, Lord Jesus, you know, I, I do believe in you. I, I do believe that you died and that you rose again. 
I, I do believe that you came into this world to save me and deliver me from sin. I, I do believe that you are able to help me today to live for you, that you're able to free me from all these bondages that are I've picked up throughout my life, that you're able to set me free from all those things. And just a simple prayer of dear Jesus, I welcome you into my life today. I ask you to come into my life today. I ask you to come and, and cleanse me of all my sin. Lord, I, I do believe. I do believe that you died, that you rose again. I do believe that you are the sacrifice for my sin. I do believe that there's forgiveness for you, Jesus. And so I come to you and I open up my heart to you today and I welcome you into my life. You know, you can just say a prayer like that. I, I know growing up in the church, I, I probably said that prayer thousands of times and asked Jesus into my life. And uh, if you've grown up in the church, you probably have too. And so don't feel bad if you said that prayer multiple times because a, a fresh commitment is always a good thing unto the Lord. And to just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life afresh and anew today. And, and I like praying that. And when I get up in the morning, it's a prayer I actually do like to pray. that like, Jesus, I just want more of you this morning. Come into my life again afresh and anew and touch my heart. I give you permission uh, to come into my life and touch me. I want to keep that focus on Jesus. And so I'm going to ask those that are helping with communion this morning, if they would come uh, forward. Uh, the way we do communion here, we'll uh, hand that out to you. And um, if you want to partake, you're welcome to partake. Uh, if you don't want to partake, that's fine as well. You can just let that tray be uh, passed on. And then we just want to encourage you to hold on uh, to that bread, to that cup, until everybody's served, and then we all can partake together. So I we'll hope that's clear enough for you.